It's time for the 3304 Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dan Steinbeck and Cole Born Bergstrom. Welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Steinbach. Joined alongside me is Cole Bjorn Bergstrom. We are in today for a special edition, uh, final mock draft. We are recording on Wednesday, April 28th. The 2021 NFL draft begins tomorrow night, the uh, April 29th. Uh, and we're just going to run through what we think will be what the first round ends up looking like. Cole Bjorn, we've worked hard. How do you feel about your mock draft and how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. Uh, happy draft this Eve. Really happy. Really excited. <laughs> Finally here. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some nervous things about this draft. I think there's sometimes some players that'll, uh, go up and whatnot. And by no means am I an expert, but I kind of like how my draft ended up. I'm a bit nervous with some positions, but you know, we, we live and we learn and I'm excited to see what happens. Definitely. Definitely. So before we get into this today, I'm going to catch you off guard because I have not told you about this yet. So the the main thing about this draft that I find very exciting is the fact that there are so many quarterbacks that are projected to go near the top, top 10 Mm -hmm. guys, really. Uh, We can ignore Chris Sims having Justin Fields go 32 for right now. But (laughs) for listeners of the 3304 Sports Podcast over the last couple shows, you know where Colby Orn and I stand on certain prospects. Uh, we all are aware that Trevor Lawrence is the consensus number one. And the two of our opinions is that Mac Jones is quarterback number five, despite what might end up happening on draft night. We think that the guys above Mac Jones, um, uh, we think that there are three guys above Mac Jones. Now we haven't really gotten into our thoughts on them specifically. And I, and I want to have us just kind of make ourselves clear as to what we think of these other three quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Now we're going to rank them, but we're not going to rank them based on their playing ability or their upside. No, we're going to rank them, Cole Bjorn, based off of their Chipotle bowls. So Chipotle this past week has three offers, a Trey Lance bowl, a Zach Wilson bowl, and a Justin Fields bowl. These are prospects, main orders when they go to Chipotle. So we're going to rank them quarterbacks two through four and we're going to, I'm going to list them off. I'm going to list off their orders and then we're going to rank them. And yep. wait, Adam Schefter just tweeted. This is, oh, okay. Um, big news here. Breaking news on the 3304 Sports Podcast, probably not even four minutes into it. The Panthers are trading Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos for a sixth round pick. Oh, well, that was going to change something that I was going to talk about. So that's interesting. Well, I mean, (laughs) this is just funny to me because right now there's still so much time between now and draft and the start of the draft. And when you look at our last episode, when we talked about the Super League for over an hour and then like 24 hours later, it dissolves. So the 3304 Sports Podcast is off to a pretty mean streak of uh, cold takes. So hopefully this isn't too bad, but this might change some things around with our draft. Um, but we'll, we'll still soldier on. Maybe it'll make um, pick a little bit more reasonable. We'll, we'll get to it, but I think it can make your Broncos pick actually a little bit more reasonable, honestly. And I think, honestly, it could make your decision with them a little bit more reasonable. But I want to start off with this. I want to get to the Chipotle Bowl. Now, I will start off by saying I am Team Qdoba. I do not like Chipotle. So mm. I am just going strictly off of the ingredients here because I just don't think it tastes good. But anyways. I'm Team Chipotle, so I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll All right. Yours. Well, so so then you're you're the you're the judge here. You are you are the guy 
you're my guide here on what of these three bowls will have the highest quality of flavor. All right, so let's start off with Trey Lance. Now, his is the most expensive at $13. He has steak, brown rice, black beans, fresh tomato salsa, tomatillo green chili salsa, romaine lettuce, and guac. Moving on to Zach Wilson, he has chicken, white rice, black beans, tomatillo green chili salsa, and guac. And then Justin Fields has sofritas, brown rice, fajita veggies, romaine lettuce, and guac. So I want you to break down what you're hearing, what you're liking so far, just off of initial value. And then I, I think I have my opinion set in stone here as to how I'm feeling about these. So go, so go right ahead with your immediate reaction. So first of all, props to all of them, though I think uh, it would have been a sacrilege if they did this uh, or if they didn't do this, but they all have guac. So thank the Lord. We have guac. Um, but then look into the rest of it. Uh, they all have black beans. At least a couple of them have like salsa. Generally, Justin Fields actually surprisingly enough does not have salsa. But when I'm even looking at this as well, it says that his has more calories than Zach Wilson's, which surprises me. But uh, well, I'm really excited. The one thing that I find is a negative, which is always my Chipotle order, is getting the corn salsa. I'm a big fan of the corn salsa. I really like it. Maybe it's a taste thing, but I'm a corn salsa man all the way. So with that being said, when I look at these bowls, I'm going to go ahead and say, just because personally I prefer meat, I'm going to say last is Justin Fields. I'm going to put him at four. Uh, though I do respect the veggie hustle and his, uh, his like vegan diet. And then I'm going to go ahead and put Zach Wilson at two and Trey Lance at one. And that's just solely based on the meats that they use and I like chicken but I actually like chicken from other places generally and I'd like Trey Lance's bowl as well I kind of beat Zach Wilson at one just because his is a couple dollars less or just about but I, I would I would go Trey Lance one surprising I actually went highest money to lowest money so I think I am going to agree 100% with you the steak over chicken for me is what puts Trey Lance over the top. I also enjoy the inclusion of tomato salsa. However, I will say when I am making bowls generally, and again, I do go to Qdoba more, uh, I, I do typically avoid lettuce in my bowls, but for this, I think I can forgive it. I also, and the steak over chicken thing, the whole brown rice, white rice thing is also making me, that, that's a plus in Zach Wilson's book. I am a white rice le- uh, lover more than brown. But I think the steak puts it over the top for Trey Lance. I'm willing to spend an extra buck or so uh, to get that steak. The the Justin Fields, the Sofritas, I'm, I'm not feeling that. I don't need that. I, I enjoy uh, a good protein, like a steak or a chicken, over that. And aside from that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not feeling the lack of salsa with Justin Fields. I mean, just fajita veggies, I, I enjoy some salsa in there. So I, I think I that's say, I think if, if Justin Fields had salsa, I honestly would have probably put him at one just because my father actually orders sofritas very frequently mm. and I've had it before and it's actually really good. So it's just I mean, it's definitely a lack of salsa and then w- paired that with no meat. I, I had to drop him. I am surprised by the lack of shredded cheese on all three mm. of these. No, that is, that is definitely actually very surprising. I mean, for Fields, it's not too surprising, vegan, but... Uh, sure, sure. The rest of the way, yeah. I mean, I, w- I was also a little bit surprised that uh, Fields didn't even have, like, the cauliflower rice. Maybe it's not vegan, but 
Like maybe there's something mm. that they use with it, but cauliflower rice is new. It's popular in Chipotle, or at the very least, they talk about it a good bit. So I would have thought that he would try to sneak that in there. So there you have it. Those are our definitive NFL draft rankings of our quarterbacks. We have Trevor Lawrence <laughs> one, Trey Lance two, Zach Wilson three, Justin Fields four, and then of course Mac Jones at five. So I want to break us in now into a uh, discussion of our mock drafts. We both worked to make our 32 team first round picks uh dive into the shoes of all these gms the rumors that are spreading around made a couple trades on both sides and i figure we don't need to spend too much discussion on number one and number two because i feel that the consensus on these is starting to grow more and more after all both of these selections are at minus 10,000 according to odds makers so these seem set in stone as the first two picks i have the jaguars taking trevor lawrence and the jets taking zach wilson yeah. I mean, there's really not much to talk about. It's just what we've been talking about like for the past two months. So certainly, certainly. So now I want to let, let's just fast forward then to the number three overall pick. The 49ers moved up. This is where the draft can start for a lot of people. But to me, when when you talk about the draft starting, you you also have to think about, OK, are they a trade down candidate? And I don't think the 49ers are. They moved up with a, with a purpose and reports out of the last week have said that they are down to two options. And it's kind of a battle between the scouting department and, and head coach Kyle Shanahan. The scouts are leaning Trey Lance, but Shanahan wants Mac Jones. With all of the momentum going this way, I hate to say it, but I believe with the third overall pick, the San Francisco 49ers are taking Mac Jones. Joint. You, you have jo- you've come to the dark side. It's not a good feeling. I'll admit that. <laughs> it's not a good feeling, and I won't be excited uh, for them when it happens uh, tomorrow night. Cause cause I I'm, I'm resigned to it. It's just, it, it, it's, I just don't understand the Kyle Shanahan thing. I understand why the scouts are where they are. Trey Lance has the upside. Uh, he's got the athleticism over Mac Jones. He's got the arm over Mac Jones. I, I feel like Kyle Shanahan wants to prove something. And it kind of co- coincides with that quote of him saying, that his system is basically so good that he doesn't need an athlete to run it or something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, what will your reaction be when this probably inevitably happens? Um, to clarify even as well, I do have, I, I've stuck with Mac Jones. I, I will say about like last week before the news came out from Chefty that it was between Lance and uh, Jones. I was on the verge of, finally flipping and saying that it'd be Justin Fields, but I, I just couldn't do it. I've stuck with Lance. I'm not excited for the 49ers at all to take this. The only thing that is even decent about this pick to me, like, is that I think he does have receivers that resemble what he has been able to work with at Alabama. I think he's got a decent O-line at San Francisco. Uh, I think if the running backs can stay healthy, he's even got comparable running backs to what he's had. So I would say that for the 49ers, they shouldn't be afraid to take Mac Jones because a lot of our talk with him has definitely been like, you know, he's had all these good weapons and that's why he was so, 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 so good. But he's going to have pretty solid weapons in San Francisco. The only downside to me is that the defenses in that division are really solid. Um so I, I think that can be a concern for the 49ers, like just with Mac Jones being a rookie, most likely starting. But I mean, I, mean, I just don't think, I think that's a really good point you bring up. Um, the fact of the defenses in that division, 
if you look at the advanced numbers, and this has been a knock on Justin Fields, it's been all about the first read and not being able to look off and move through your progressions. Mac Jones, statistically, is one of the worst quarterbacks in this class at doing that. And a lot of the reason is because he never had to move off his first read. It was always Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle being open. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of things that we could get into about that with the whole Justin Fields debate. Uh, but for right now, I think we both can just easily say that Mac Jones is likely the third overall pick. And right now he's sitting at about minus 400. So there's still a little bit of value there. If you want to think that they end up going Lance over Jones, but at the end of the day, I think that Kyle Shanahan gets his guy. Now here at number four with the Falcons, I think this is where the draft really starts because they are a trade down candidate and they do have multiple uh, positions in play here. They could go quarterback of the future to sit behind Matt Ryan, or they could go in a multitude of other directions. And this is actually the first place where Colbjorn and I split our decision. I go with Panay Sewell out of Oregon. The reason being, I understand that Kyle Pitts is getting a lot of hype at this position. However, I'm thinking at this spot, if the, the Julio Jones trade rumors are running rampant right now and with the Matt Ryan contract, I think that they're going to go for one last season and just hope that Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, maybe even a later round receiver this year. I think that they're going to try to run that back with that offense. But at the end of the day, if it does not work out, it's better to have a Panay Sewell as your cornerstone piece on the offense compared to a Kyle Pitts. Now I'm, I'm in that camp where I think Kyle Pitts is probably the second best player uh, on the big board in this entire draft. And I think that he is a generational talent at tight end, but I will compare a generation, a generational talent at tight end to a very, very, very good offensive tackle. And I think that the Falcons will just end up playing it a little safer and going Penesul at four. I mean, uh, one thing I'll even add to your point as well is I think up until really the past month or so, Panay Sewell was talked as a generational talent like Quentin Nelson was when the Colts drafted him. That's right. That's right. And uh, I think a lot, I think there have been some things, definitely the opt-out has hurt him. Yep. Um, and also the emergence of some hype around guys like Rashawn Slater as potential uh, offensive tackle challenging that top spot at the position. But I think Panay Sewell, I think he's, still the top guy in this class. And I think him to the, him to the Falcons at four is going to end up being the play. Yeah. And where I differ from you here is Kyle Pitts. A lot of what you talked about, I actually very much agree with. I think they're going to run it at least one more time with uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they look towards a Kellen Mond or a Davis Mills in the second or third round, but I think Matt Ryan will definitely be the guy next year. I think they're going to look to run it with Calvin Ridley. But kind of where I differ here is the fact of all these Julio Jones rumors. And they are in a very tricky cap situation. I think they like the options that they have at four. And if Julio Jones is going to get moved, the one thing that the Falcons are really going to be starting to miss is those red zone uh, targets. And he was getting a lot more recently. I know he kind of fell off with touchdowns for uh, a few seasons because he was starting to get like double team, triple, uh, double covered, triple, triple covered, etc. But I really think that if you're going to lose Julio Jones, you really need to bring in someone. I wouldn't bring in Jamar Chase because I genuinely think Calvin Ridley can become a top 10 receiver. I really like him. I think they really like him as well to be their new number one. So instead, I want to bring in someone who I mean, we see as a generational talent. I really like Hayden Hurst. He was really good for the Falcons last year, but Pitts is just on a whole other level. 
um, already. We're comparing him to Kelsey and to uh, Ertz and really like all the top tight ends that have uh, been running in the NFL recently. And as people who play fantasy football would know, it is really hard to find a solid and consistent tight end. And I think Kyle Pitts can be that. I think he'll really help Matt Ryan uh, when converting in the red zone. And at the end of the day, if you're moving on from Julio, I like the pairing of Ridley and Pitts more than like a pairing of Ridley and Chase. And for Sewell, I just think it's a little too high. If you're drafting him there, you're probably wanting to put him left tackle. And they already have Jake Matthews and Matthews is pretty solid. So they I do. I, I and I think that there is flexibility with Sewell at right tackle or even left guard. Oh, yeah. uh, but I do get your point there in terms of the value. If you are okay with Jake Matthews going forward, which I think that they are. Um, yeah. I still, again, I still think it's just another cornerstone piece of your offensive line, and that's a better building block for your future going forward. I think that's what the Falcons end up doing. But speaking of cornerstone offensive line picks at number five, the Cincinnati Bengals, there has been raging debate uh, within the Bengals fan base, and I have definitely bear witness to it, over who their uh, selection at five will be, whether it be Panay Sewell or whether it be the top wide receiver, Jamar Chase, and reunite him with Joe Burrow. Now, for me, this makes the selection in my draft easy because one of those two options is already off the board in Jamar and Panay Sewell going to the Falcons. So I have them taking Jamar Chase. However, with you, Sewell and Chase are both still on the board. And I guess Kyle Pitts is in play here as well for the Bengals, but I think that Chase and Sewell are both over them on the Bengals board uh, in terms of what they might need. And again, I, th- I think that there is at least some value to the whole Burrow getting Chase back. And I think there is some campaigning on his end for chase to be the pick there. So I, the suspense is killing me, even though I see it on the screen right now, I guess the suspense is killing our listeners. Uh, who do you have the Bengals choosing between Sewell and chase at five? Well, I personally have today Sewell, And I, I, I see why people talk about Jamar chase, but to me at the end of the day, it comes to, I think one of the memes that came out of the Bengals fan base talking and this is something that I've actually talked about and agreed with for a while, which is the meme of if you have Jamar Chase, sure, he'll be five yards ahead of his guy. Maybe Joe Burrow can hit him, but he's going to get squashed by all the people that are rushing him. And if you have Panay Suwell, um, I think that will really help his offensive line. I think that will protect him. And he's already got, which is really my main point, really good receivers and uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I think they're both really good players. I think they're both up there towards the top of receiver talent in the NFL. And I think he has a really good rapport with them. So you don't need to go back to the college days. You don't need to reminisce on the college days because Jamar Chase is there. Go and protect Joe Burrow. The reason he got injured last year and he tore his ACL was when he scrambled out of the pocket. And he scrambled out of the pocket a lot for Cincinnati. He was really great. And something I've talked about, and I think we've talked about in the podcast before, with my being a Colts fan, I've seen this before with Andrew Luck, and I don't want it to happen with Joe Burrow. So from a Colts fan to the Bengals organization, Joe Burrow's great. He could be a top guy for years to come. Protect him. I don't care how great his uh, connection is with Jamar Chase. Even with Kyle Pitts, uh, who like I may have even considered if he fell here from the Falcons, I just think it's better to protect your franchise than to give your franchise one of his favorite pieces from college when you've already got 
two solid pieces. And there's so many good receivers in this draft that you can go and draft a slot guy. Like Higgins can play on the outside. So I just don't think they need a force receiver here. You really, really have to protect uh, Burrow. And in all honesty, even if I went Sewell at four, I would have went Rayshon Slater five, or I would have had the Bengals straight down. They need to protect Joe Burrow. Do not let him get injured again, period. Otherwise you guys can't compete in your division. No, and I think that you bring up a lot of good points there. Uh, and I will emphasize that we're not doing a multi-round draft here, but if the Bengals do end up going chase at five, offensive line needs to be a focus for the Bengals yep. on day two. In the in the second round, in the third round, get some of those quality guys that can come in, be spot starters, not necessarily be a pro caliber like with Penesula or maybe Rashawn Slater, but getting those type of players uh, is important because you, you definitely do need to protect Joe Burrow at all costs. Moving on to number six in the Dolphins, I have them now taking the best player available in Kyle Pitts. Uh, giving two or more offensive weapons is important, and Kyle Pitts at this point, I mean, he's the best player on the board. Uh, no question about it. And I see that we kind of have the same three players going in yep. three separate spots. So with your sixth overall pick, who do the Dolphins take? The Dolphins take, well, the last remaining of the three, that's from Chase. And to me, when I looked at it, I think Mike Gesicki was starting to really show himself last season. It looks like he was starting to put his stats up from what I was able to tell. And I think Gesicki could still be a solid tight end for the Dolphins moving forward. Um, so even if Pitts was available here, I don't quite know if they would want to take him rather than trading down and getting amazing value for a team that would. However, when I look at Miami's receiving core, I don't see a top guy. Uh, Devontae Parker has had injury issues. And overall, even when he's been healthy, like as of late, he doesn't seem to be like that same Devontae Parker that we saw coming out of college. So I really like Jamar Chase. I like his size. I like his speed. And sure, I would love to have Devonta Smith and Tua Tungavailoa back together. But Jamar Chase, I think, is the favorite uh, YSEO prospect of just about everybody now. And I think he's got to go here for Miami. Well, speaking of Jamar Chase and being a favorite wide receiver amongst teams, here is the team, the Detroit Lions at number seven, that is being reported to have wanted to trade up to number four with the Falcons to get Jamar Chase. Now, this might just be smoke and mirrors, but I thought long and hard after my board uh, was clear of those six players on who the Detroit Lions would want to go with. At this point, I'm thinking a couple things. Well, do the Detroit Lions want to get a quarterback? I'm thinking no, because they have a lot of flexibility in next year's draft with the picks they acquired in the Stafford trade and the fact that they restructured Jared Goff's contract. So now I'm thinking, okay, well, what else is there here? A wide receiver. Well, Jamar Chase is gone, and he seems to be the guy that they want if they want to trade up for him. Kyle Pitts is gone. Panay Sewell is gone. So now I'm thinking about other players who might just be available to them. And it really came down to two picks for me, and it was Rashawn Slater and Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, a linebacker out of Penn State, probably the number one guy on the board. They could use him more as a pass rusher role to really help that defense because this is a really bad roster and without Matt Stafford and if Jared Goff continues to decline, uh, this could look like the worst team at football next season. So I'm thinking that the Lions end up going Rashawn Slater because of new GM Brad Holmes and the success he had with the Rams with Jared Goff. They wanted to build a good offensive line that can run play action, that can give Jared Goff the ability to uh, not be pressured to do too much as a quarterback. And again, it's that it's the same argument I think I have with the Falcons that the lions, if they have to do a long-term rebuild, which they are in the process of a cornerstone piece, like a Rashawn Slater might end up being better than a potential off ball linebacker, like a Micah Parsons. 
Uh, I certainly agree with uh, all of what you said there. And I think particularly if uh, they're going to go ahead and say immediately when they trade for Goff that Goff's their guy and they feel very confident in him, Rashawn Slater would be an excellent option. However, I myself decided to go with uh, Devonta Smith because let's look at the uh, Lions receiving core from last season. Yeah. The receiving core from last season was Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny, Danny Amendola. I wouldn't say it's the best of the best, but it's solid. Uh, the thing about that is that they're all gone. So Kenny Galladay is now a giant. Marvin Jones is now a Jaguar. And Amendola is still a free agent. So, Right now, the Detroit Lions receiving core, they also lost Jamal Agnew, who was a good returner for them. Their receiving core right now is uh, Tyrell Williams and, gosh, I'm even forgetting, it's uh, Brashad Perriman. So that's not that great of a receiving core. So I think you could go between a couple of receivers here, the top two guys being Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle for most. And I decided to go Devonta Smith. I think they need a top-end perimeter receiver. I think Devonta Smith is really good. Um, and I think there's been a lot of, like, smoke and mirrors coming out for Devonta Smith uh, on why not to like him here and there and yada, yada. At the end of the day, he's the first Heisman, like, receiver we've seen in a long time. He's very talented. And he's someone that Jared Goff, I think, can rely on uh, when it comes down to it as he's developing in his career. Or if Goff isn't the guy, you know, in the next couple of years, whoever's there. So I think Devonta Smith is a cornerstone receiver. I think he's someone that can become really good in the NFL. Uh, and I think even some of his undervalue could probably be a chip on the shoulder. And I really like him as a player. I like what he did last year. So I, I just like this pick a little bit more for the Lions. Uh, get a little bit more options for Goff. Being in Metro Detroit and listening to Detroit Sports Radio, I know that a lot of people – would not be happy with that pick, but I can, I can see your reasoning behind it. Now let's get into the number eight overall selection originally held by the Panthers, but both of us have seemingly the same idea with this selection. Now with me, I have this uh, pick being traded to the new England Patriots. They of course swapped the eighth overall pick and the 15th overall pick, but the Patriots also give up their second round pick at 46 overall. And then they swap fourth round selections with the Patriots moving up from 139 to 113 and they end up selecting Justin Fields. And uh, I mean, at this point, Justin Fields has slipped a little bit, and now he's at uh, number eight. Uh, there have been reports that the Panthers and the Patriots are likely to do a move like this if a Fields or a Lance falls this spot, and of course, both of them do. And the Patriots get up and take who I would consider the best quarterback left on the board. I do think he's a step above Trey Lance. I thought he was the best quarterback on the board at number three overall uh, with Lawrence and Wilson gone. I think Justin Fields is really, really good. And him going to the Patriots with Bill Belichick, um, I think this could really be a quick reset for them after a year of being a little bit down after Tom Brady leaving. But Justin Fields could be their next quarterback of the future. And, hey, if I know Bill Belichick's not going to be around long, but whoever succeeds him, that could be another dynasty in New England. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it when uh, coming with free agency. I will talk about my Pats trade as well because I also have them trading up. But with this free agency, Bill Belichick looks like he's out for blood. Like, he wants to come, and he wants to dominate his division next season. Like, he because he's close to retirement, I think, is a, like we both agree. So, with that being said, I do have the Pacers trading up here to get Justin Fields. I actually have a slightly different trade. 
Uh, I went off actually some numbers that I was able to find on a website called uh, protransactions.com. I went off and I uh, did some uh, some estimations where I could get like how many trades I think I should be doing in round one. And also specifically as it came to trade value, what the value has actually been moving up for quarterbacks or other positions. So I have a few trades to list to you here uh, to reason for mine. So the first trade was a trade for a quarterback by the name of Josh Rosen, where it was a five uh, pick move up. And you had the first, third and fifth pick going to the Raiders as they dropped with the Cardinals and the Cardinals got Rosen. You have another five move up, which was the Bills trading with, I believe, the Buccaneers, where the Bills threw in a first and two second round picks to get a first and seventh in return to get now all-star Josh Allen. Then you have one more trade, non-quarterback, where it was a first, second, and future third to get a first round pick. And this trade was actually between Denver and uh, Pittsburgh. I think this was like a couple of years ago to get Devin Bush. So with that in mind, and this is, uh, what is it, like a seven-pick a seven pick trade up, the value that I came out to was a swap of first-round picks, and then I actually have the Patriots third and fourth, because I think the Patriots are going to want to keep that second-round pick for uh, something a little bit special, uh, whatever they want to do, because I think Bill Belichick, as we've said, he wants to get as good of value as possible, but the guy I'm trading is actually J.C. Jackson as well. There's been a lot of talk of J.C. Jackson getting uh, or uh, Stephon Gilmore getting moved. And J.C. Jackson, I kind of value it as a third-round pick because nobody traded a second-rounder to get him. He's on a cheap contract. I think both uh, Dante and J.C. Jackson could be a uh, decent fit with each other uh, as a one-two combo. The Panthers really do need that second corner. So this gets them their second corner, and they still get some decent value in the third and fourth round, whereas the Patriots are able to move up to get a talented quarterback in fields. And I think Newton will be an excellent mentor for him. Something I didn't even know as well, which is kind of ironic that we're both going fields here. Supposedly Newton is even actually going a little bit vegan recently. So, I mean, hey, both vegan quarterbacks, both mobile quarterbacks, both quarterbacks with like good arms, but I think fields is a little bit more accurate. And I think that's something that uh, is really going to draw Bill Belichick, particularly the fact that fields is a lot of tape as well, comparatively to Lance. No, and I like your breakdown of that trade. Uh, looking at mine now, I probably would have the Patriots throw in a first next year, just because, I mean, you're moving up for the quarterback. The cost needs to be a little bit more weighted towards the team moving up, giving up a little bit more. So I think another first round pick in there would make sense for them. Um, so I, I, I was can... thinking so as well, but as I said, with the, the trades that have happened over the past like few years, that seemingly hasn't happened with a trade from uh, – even 10 picks down when uh, Pittsburgh moved up from 20 to 10 to get Devin Bush. So I could see a first being in there, but I think this has just got to be a lot of value. And I like the idea of Jackson, uh, the both the Jacksons working together in the secondary. No, I like that as well. So now moving on to the ninth pick with the Broncos. And I think this could shake my pick up a little bit. I think what you do with the ninth pick does make more sense looking at it this way. Of course, with the new Teddy Bridgewater news, um, well, I originally have, well, I, right now I have the Broncos taking Trey Lance because I did not see this Teddy Bridgewater trade coming. It's only a sixth round pick for Teddy. Mm-hmm. So having a quarterback room of Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke and Trey Lance, I honestly think that makes sense to me. Cause I think wherever Trey Lance goes, he's not starting year one. And 
a quarterback competition of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, the Broncos can't seriously think that either of those guys has that much of a future there and is going to lead them to something special. I think a Trey Lance at nine, I do still think it can make sense. Um, but now with this trade, I can understand why the Broncos would move uh, in another position of need, potentially a cornerback uh, like a Patrick Chan or J.C. Horn. But right now I'm, I'm sticking with Trey Lance at number nine for, the, for Denver. And for me, I'll also list off what I did, but I actually have my second trade of the draft. And it is going to be the Broncos moving down, getting a third and fourth round pick. To actually be a little bit more specific here, it is pick 90 and pick 125 from the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings move up to get Trey Lance. Uh, my original thought in mind with this as well is the fact of, uh, I think Lance is getting viewed a lot like Mahomes was. Mahomes was someone that we all thought had a lot of talent, was really good. But the issue with Mahomes was that, like for Kansas City, they didn't think he was going to be, you know, ready to go year one. And they went and they started Alex Smith for a year. And then they traded him to Alex Smith to Washington, and they let Mahomes take the reins. I think that's kind of the same boat that Lance is in. I don't think too many teams are like, really wanting to take him and say like, this is going to be the guy that's going to lead us now. I think he's the guy that's going to lead us in a year or two. Her cousins has a couple years left on his contract. It seems like the relationship between him and Minnesota has slightly faltered over time. As there's been rumors of they're trying to trade him or rumors of they're drafting a quarterback in general. And I think drafting Trey Lance kind of sets a hard like timeline of when Kirk Cousins is going to leave. Um, I think you can give Trey Lance a year or two behind Kirk Cousins. Um, I think Kirk Cousins will actually surprisingly be a good mentor for Trey Lance. And I think at the end of the day, the Broncos aren't going to want to trust Trey, like entrust the team in Trey Lance uh, comparatively to the Vikings, because I, I just don't think that the, like the Vikings don't need to start him yet. And sure, they could take value other positions, but the Vikings are definitely a team that like to trade up and get value. And I think Lance will help them going forward. Whereas for the Broncos, at the time, they only had Drew Locke. And I just, I don't think that there's a huge discrepancy right now between whether you'd want to start Drew Locke or Trey Lance. So I had him trade down. And honestly, I had them actually going and getting Jimmy Garoppolo, but I like Teddy Bridgewater as well. I think overall, they want competition for Drew Locke. They don't want a replacement yet. So they're going to see with Teddy Bridgewater if he'll start over Drew Locke. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up there with uh, Kirk Cousins being a mentor for Trey Lance for at least a couple of years. And with his contract, I mean, I, I do see the Vikings getting away from Kirk Cousins soon and a move up for Trey Lance would definitely be an avenue for them to take. So now we can move on to the number 10 overall pick in the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that for the Cowboys, this is almost an ideal scenario, if not a perfect one just due to the fact that both top cornerbacks are still available on the board, Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. And, um, I mean, looking at who else the Cowboys might have on their draft board, I mean, you're talking Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater to help up that offensive line. Uh, and then, of course, their probably number one hope would be that Kyle Pitts just falls to them. Uh, on your board, Rashawn Slater is still there. Uh, but for me, their top two targets would be Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. And I'm going to go with J.C. Horn here. Uh, Fox Sports' Peter Schrager reporting uh, just today that J.C. Horn is where they 
Cowboys might lean over Stan. There have been conflicting reports there, but all in all, I think that JC Horn might fit what the Cowboys are trying to do. I mean, Sertan and Dan Quinn's new scheme might be the better overall fit, but JC Horn just seems like uh, he's a more physical corner, more man to man, really get up in your face, plugs the run better. Sertan is really good, uh, has got good measurables, good athleticism. Uh, can fit that zone scheme. And of course, reuniting him with Trevon Diggs. I think you can't go wrong here for the Cowboys with either of the top two corners, whether it's Horn or Sertan, but I think that the reporting and just some of the momentum implies to me that JC Horn would be the pick here at number 10. Uh, yeah, I've went with something that's kind of been more traditional in uh, most of the mocks and I've went Patrick Sertan. It's, it's a pretty chalk pick, but um, in all honesty, I just think that I, I like the idea of him and Diggs getting back together. Um, as you were even saying, I like the idea of Sertan and the defensive scheme for uh, Dallas. And overall, I, as you said, I think this is a great scenario for Dallas. I think most of the players that they'd really be looking at are available to them. I just think that uh, even if Rayshon Slater is available um, or even like an offensive guy that they really want, they need to fix defense because I, I, I've even said, read things of where people are like, oh, yeah, you can score 40 points in the game and be fine. We literally saw last year with this team that that's not the case. You need to get some defensive pieces. Uh, your division is going to be fixing up offense during, like, the draft, and they have been during off the offseason overall. Get a defensive piece. Start trying to round out your team. I will say, when it comes to finding offensive players, I would like, and, of course, it's known I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan, but um, I, w- I would like to see them target either at least get a wide receiver even if you're looking at one on day three uh, I think that's just my general cons- uh, thought process on drafting in general but I mean you're going to be losing Michael Gallup likely yeah. after the season for a comp pick um, unless you can somehow get a deal done but even still th- there's the question of how much money is he going to be making and how much money could be and en- uh, end up being diverted away from defense and defense with this team is the obviously the biggest issue and the biggest question mark that everyone's going to have. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting them to go heavy defense. I, I think that the one focus that they do want to get is I think they do want to get a good offensive lineman, mostly a tackle. And I think that's where Rashawn Slater comes into play. Um, but no, I, I think with both quarterbacks, at the top of your board, there still available. I think that one of the two is what they walk away with. I mean, there's talks of them maybe trading back up into the first round, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know too much about that. Um, they have, they have a very versatile draft. I mean, being one of the, I think just six teams that have double digit picks this year, they have a lot of flexibility. Uh, but, but I think that they're going to be sitting put a lot of the time and just taking good, valuable players where they land. Moving on to another NFC East team uh, with the New York giants. I have them selecting Jalen Waddle. Now, with this pick, I honestly don't know because there's. I feel like there's a lot of ways they can go. I think they could go corner. They could go uh, offensive lineman. I really had. I really was picking between Waddle and Elijah Vera Tucker at this spot, and I think that's where a lot of other NFL mock draft people and reporters have them going. Uh, I went Waddle here. I think it's just another weapon for Daniel Jones. Put him opposite of uh, new, new addition Kenny Galladay and the rest of that core. I just feel like Jalen Waddle might be the best player available in this spot. I mean, they could go Sertan right after the Cowboys. Um, but Waddle's the best receiver on the board, at least in my opinion. I do have him above uh, Devonta Smith, who is still on my board. 
I think that Waddle to the Giants just seems like a pick. It's all, it feels almost written at this point because this is a pick that is very popular amongst muck drafters and amongst reporters. And I think it's just the way that New York's going to end up going. Uh, that's uh, exactly what I have as well. I have Jalen Waddle at 11. Uh, most of my reason uh, is which what I agree with uh, people. Um, it's the fact of, I think this is Daniel Jones's prove it year. He hasn't been great. I mean, granted, he, there's been a lot of injuries on offense over his uh, couple of years starting. Just to me, though, I think with the addition of Kenny Galladay, Saquon hopefully can stay healthy. Um, you have the addition of uh, – you have Rudolph and Ingram. You've got maybe even a hopeful, like, healthy Sterling Shepard. you got Darius Slayton. You add in Jalen Waddle to that team with the offensive line that's seemingly getting better and better. This is starting to become an offense that I think is a pretty strong force, and this has really got to show if Daniel Jones is really worth keeping. Um, I, I think if Daniel Jones can't succeed with this like solid of an offense with a really good defense behind him as well, you've got to move on. And I think that if Jalen Waddle is added and Daniel Jones is able to show the potential that New York thinks he has, this team could shoot to the moon offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, I think that, look, I, I personally am already out on Daniel Jones. I've been out on him for probably two years now. Um, but I, I think that if they want to give him a shot, Jalen Waddle at that spot is probably your best bet, at least to try to get something else out of that, out of that offense. Uh, moving on to number 12, the Philadelphia Eagles, they traded back from number six, uh, with the Miami Dolphins after the Dolphins traded with the 49ers. Now they are a team that has been rumored to get back up into the top 10, most likely to jump ahead of a team like Dallas to get another corner or to get the top corner on their board. But here, I have them coming away with Patrick Sertan. I mean, they're sitting put. They're not really having to give up any other assets, and they're still getting a, a piece of need there. Um, I was debating between Sertan and Devonta Smith only because it's been sort of the thing with the Eagles the past couple of years. They haven't drafted wide receivers. They haven't picked the right wide receivers. Uh, see Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson last year. I, I feel like maybe they could go second round. I mean, that's always an option, especially with this year's draft with really good wide receivers on day one and day two, and even some on day three. Uh, I just think Sertan was the better option here, especially with those rumors of them wanting to go up for a cornerback like him. And we just kind of sw swap corners here. You had Horn, then Sertan. I have Sertan, then Horn. Um, there's been a lot of talk that Philly loves J.C. Horn. Uh, I think he'd be a great uh, kind of fit in there. Darius Slay's getting a little bit older. They've had corner issues for a little while. Um, I think getting J.C. Horn is going to be really nice for them. And particularly when you're coming up against like Amari Cooper, uh, Terry McLaurin, and Kenny Galladay, six of your uh, 16 games. Someone like J.C. Horn and Darius Slay as a tandem is kind of invaluable for that defensively. So I, I think the Eagles stay put and they get a corner. All right, we can move on now to number 13 overall. This is a pick for me that I think has been slotted at least for a while. And I mean, this could be wrong, uh, especially with a player like Vera Tucker still on the board for me, but I have Christian Derisaw. Um, Derisaw has been getting a, at least a little bit of hype. I, uh, there was an ESPN article rating who was the best at one specific thing throughout the entire draft class. And Derisaw was listed as the best pass blocker. And that opened my eyes a little bit because my thought on the scouting community was that he was viewed as more of a really good bulldozer run blocker. So, I mean, he can really do it all. Um, 
he's a just a really solid offensive tackle. Obviously, started a lot here at Virginia Tech all ever since his freshman year, and I, I think that the Chargers and Darisaw is a relationship that at this point in the draft, for me, with Sewell and Slater gone, uh, I think Darisaw to uh, L.A. and help protect Justin Herbert is really written in stone. I could see them going Vera Tucker there. I mean, I do see some people with Vera Tucker over Darisaw, especially as viewing Vera Tucker more as an interior lineman, whereas Darisaw is more of that left tackle. Um, but no, I think offensive line is the approach here with the Chargers. And for me, I think they go Darisaw. And on my board, Slater's still available, so I actually have the Chargers taking Slater. I've had Darisaw for a long time to Los Angeles, but with kind of how this mock slated itself, uh, Slater was still available. And I think that he's a player that can either be a solid left guard or left tackle for any organization. I think he could be a good cornerstone. And at the end of the day, what we and a lot of people will all agree on is they need to protect Herbert. And they've lost a lot of offensive line pieces. I mean, think about it. A couple off seasons ago, they traded Okung for Trey Turner. Now they don't have Okung and they cut Trey Turner this off season. So their line has been struggling for a while. This could possibly be the worst it's been. They need to protect Herbert because Herbert looks honestly incredible. Uh, so get a little bit of Rayshon Slater. Uh, I, I just kind of, I, I like that option there. So I, I think protecting uh, Herbert is paramount over getting another dynamic offensive or defensive piece. No, I think that you're right with your pick. Uh, offensive line and Slater's st still on your board. So I, I think it's a no-brainer for the Chargers there. Uh, we can move on to the 14th overall pick. I have the Vikings, but of course you have the Broncos with that trade that they made. For the Vikings, I have them selecting Elijah Vera Tucker. The Vikings have a lot of interesting directions that they can go on. I looked on Vikings.com and saw what their writing staff was saying. I mean, there's a lot of edge rushers. There's a couple of wide receivers. Um, I saw a lot of Elijah Vera Tucker early on. For them, they had some Christian Darasaws is in there as well. I think that just shoring up that offensive line is a good start. And especially if they don't go the route that you're saying, where they are looking for the quarterback of the future, I think, again, shoring up that offensive line, and this is kind of a theme that I've been making, what with my Falcons pick and my Lions pick, is that at least just for the future of the franchise, having good foundational pieces on your offensive line is always a good way to go forward into the future with more drafts. Then you start to build outside, build those skill players and build that defense. I mean, if, if Trey Lance wasn't available, and I think there's even the possibility that Chicago could be flirting trading up to there, I, I mean, I would agree with you 100% of the way. I've been someone that's been, you know, pretty common to uh, talk about the Vikings trying to help either their edge rush or their line. But I mean, we've, I've already talked about their pick. So for the Broncos, um, I actually decided to have them take Micah Parsons. I think he's a good linebacker that could start kind of anywhere in their uh, scheme, uh, like anywhere in the, like in the linebacking core for their scheme. And at the end of the day, uh, if Chubb and Vaughn Miller can finally both stay healthy throughout the season, like I think it'd be the first time that we could see them like both together for a whole season. If that's able to happen, those two with Micah Parsons would be devastating. Uh, the Broncos have pulled some excellent moves this offseason, including the what we talked about, which happened live, was Teddy Bridgewater. I actually like the move. It's good quarterback competition. So their offense is looking, at the very least, decent. Their defense is looking a lot better with the additions of Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby. Uh, they still have Kareem Jackson. 
and overall pretty decent defense. I think if you add Micah Parsons in there, it just makes their front seven a lot more versatile and destructive and could move this team like surprisingly up in the AFC. No, and I like that, uh, especially with the Broncos building that front seven by adding Micah Parsons. It's been a theme. And I mean, look, they're going to get Cortland Sutton back, so I'm not really too worried about their skill players. I do like Noah yep. Fant. Um, their offensive line, Garrett Bowles, obviously made a giant leap. Yep. So th- that's the thing. It's like their quarterback's good. They've got good defense. They've added some defensive players. They're in a super tough conference. I mean, uh, division, I mean, with obviously the Chiefs and the Chargers with Justin Herbert. They got the Raiders to compete with. The, the Broncos are in a tough spot, but I feel like a trade down, get some more assets, and then adding a Michael Parsons to that defense. Um, I really, I, I do like that move for them. And speaking of Mike Parsons, I have him going next to my 15th overall pick, which is held by the Panthers, uh, thanks to that trade with the Patriots. I think that the Panthers, Mike Parsons had to go eventually, and I think that a player of his caliber, probably one of the top defensive players on the board that's not a corner. Um, I, th- I think the Panthers and Matt Rule, they, they focused a lot on defense last year. They could go offensive line, but I think that the value here of a Mike Parsons, a guy that can help that pass rush, be I think that here in Carolina, he'd be more of the pass rusher than he would be of an off-ball linebacker, which I think would play to his strength. And again, I think Matt Rule would love to have a player of his value. Uh, I like your pick, focusing on the offensive line, but I think that uh, Micah Parsons on my board for the Panthers uh, would be the way to go for them. Oh, oh, if he's there 100%, I do agree with that. I think Parsons would be excellent in Carolina, uh, particularly for building that defense. Um, but for me, I actually have them going Christian Darisaw, who you have going to the Chargers. Uh, it's just kind of how the offensive linemen fell on my board. And with them not having Russell Okunga anymore, and they've, you know, seemingly now committed their team to Sam Darnold. Uh, I think you really got to show that you're going to commit the team to Sam Darnold. And at the very least, as you've said, with a lot of offensive linemen, I think Darisaw can be a cornerstone going to the future. I think he is a very solid offensive lineman. I think he's, uh, I think he'll be here for a while. I like a lot of what he did at Virginia Tech, of course. So I think bringing him into uh, the team is not only going to help out Darnold, but it could also help out uh, Christian McCaffrey, someone who saw a little bit of injury issues last year. Um, And overall, fixing that offensive line in a division where there's, yet again, really good defense and really good edge rushing. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's really hard to break down uh, the sexiness of an offensive line. Uh, pick in the first round because it's just solid reliable front office work most of the time um, it's not really the sexy move where it's like oh it's the Dallas Cowboys last year drafting a CD lamb it's like oh that's exciting uh, a pick like that for the Panthers just makes sense and um, I think there's nothing really more else to say besides that I guess so moving on to sexy move <laughs> what would that be that'd be Indianapolis with the trade down of course ah yes so we can move on to the number 16 overall pick here. I still have Devonta Smith on my board. And because of that, I have a, just a small trade, nothing special. Uh, the Cardinals in this spot, originally the dolphins make a call. They do a quick, they do a small little pick swap of 16 for 18. And then they don't have a, I, I wanted to have the value be equal and have the dolphins give them something like a fourth round pick, but they don't have one this year. Neither team does. Uh, so I just threw in a future third, just go up, get a, get Devonta Smith, help that wide receiver core out. So now the Dolphins add Kyle Pitts and Devonta Smith to their offense uh, for Tua Tagovailoa. The Cardinals move down just a couple spots. I feel like they could 
uh, take Devontae Smith. That's a pick that I've seen a couple times in some mocks where it's like, yeah, they have more pressing needs, but I feel that they, I understand if they want to add to that receiving core. Um, but I do think that this would be a good trade for both teams. I think the Dolphins, even if the Cardinals want to get a touch more than a future third or something like that, I think that maybe even a pick in this here's draft. I think the Cardinals just moving out of the way and just taking a look at what their options are. Only two picks later. It's not, it's nothing really that special. And they just get a, another asset later down, down the road. I mean, I've talked about the fact of I really would love to see Devonta Smith and Tua back together. So if this somehow happened for the Dolphins, that would be incredible. Uh, for me specifically, though, I still have the Cardinals at this pick, and I have them taking Greg Newsom the second uh, out of Northwestern. He's a pretty solid corner. He's been a very like uh, quick rising player on a lot of uh, draft boards and a lot of mocks, and I think. There's a little bit of injury concern like over the years, but all in all, uh, I actually saw when I was reading up some reports and whatnot that his stuff actually relates to a Virginia Tech player uh, by the name of Kyle Fuller. And that obviously with Fuller, it's something that he was able to work through and he's been successful in the NFL. And at the end of the day, I really like uh, Newsom's talent. And I think he could be a great pairing with Byron Murphy going into the future. This is a team that, their offense feels pretty sound. Maybe they grab another receiver in like the second or third round, but uh, it, they definitely need to get to like an offensive lineman or two. But I think that if they have uh, another corner, their defense is pretty complete other than maybe a DT. Like I just love the Cardinals as a team in general. Uh, and I think Greg Newsom will really help. Yeah. And I like Greg Newsom a lot too. And he definitely has flown up the boards a little bit. Uh in the off season here, we can switch now to the 17th overall pick with the Las Vegas Raiders. I have them taking JOK out of Notre Dame. Um, th- this is a team. I went through their draft history. They, the last few years, they kind of been flip-flopping their focus on first round picks. Nothing really like they haven't gone two years in a row, the same grouping on the side of the ball uh, in a while. It's gone offense, defense, offense, defense. They had two first round picks last year. They went Henry Ruggs and a cornerback. So I'm thinking that they're going to go defense here. They could certainly go offense. There are some players that I thought at this position, like Tevin Jenkins, who was my best offensive tackle left on the board. Um, But JOK, I think he's a really good linebacker. I think he could probably compete for Micah Parsons as the top linebacker on the board. But I have JOK going here. Linebacker is a need of the Raiders, and I think just his value at this spot is too good for the Raiders to pass up on. I love JOK, but the Raiders have got rid of four offensive linemen this offseason alone they're left with colton miller colton miller's decent don't get me wrong but the fact that you got rid of like four of your starters you got rid of hudson you got rid of trent brown you got rid of gabe jackson to me they feel destined to have to go offensive line because of what they've done if they don't go offensive line this could be a very like quick team to fall off because you you need you need protection on your quarterback Derek carr just came off of like his I think best year. Um, so with that in mind and with your offense being decent, I think they have to go with it. Uh, Elijah Ver Tucker was already off your board. He's still online and that's who I went with. He's a really solid guard. I think they uh, could even look towards like a Creed Humphrey here at center. But what I actually uh, looked up some uh, stats and whatnot in the last 25 years, it's actually rare for a center to go in the uh, first round. It's actually like, it was about like half the time uh, approximately in the last 25 years. So 
I, I didn't want to reach for Creed Humphrey, though I could see him being the guy since they lost, uh, you know, one of the best centers of recent years in Roddy Hudson. So I just decided to go with uh, Elijah Vera Tucker instead, and they'll probably hope to get Creed Humphrey early in the second round. No, I do like your logic there. And it, it was a tough decision for me between uh, Jenkins and JOK. Yeah. Uh, I do think that it is something that they can address later, but I, the urgency to address the offensive line is definitely something. I mean, I'm seeing some drafts like where Christian Darrison falls to them, um, or I'm seeing other selections uh, like also Tevin Jenkins. Um, I just think that I, I, I don't know what their focus is because they, they as an organization just keep flipping what side of the ball they keep drafting. They do uh, have some crazy picks. That is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now this is my next pick with uh, number 18 overall. Obviously my trade has the Cardinals in this spot and I have been taking Caleb Farley here. Now Farley obviously has a lot of questions. Unfortunately, he just got the news that he is COVID positive. So he won't be able to attend the draft. He was one of, I think only 10 or 20 uh, that were going to be there, but unfortunately that won't happen for him. He won't be there that night. Um, so that's sad, but I have them, I have them going Caleb Farley, even though Greg Newsom is still on my board. Despite the injury concerns, the Cardinals draft history, specifically in the past couple of years, they, they, they're risk takers. Uh, I will say that. I mean, going back to 2016, Robert Enkendiche, uh, uh, defensive tackle out of Ole Miss, very talented player, but had some troubles coming out of school. Uh, Hassan Reddick, a linebacker from Temple. And then, of course, going Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray back to back. And then last season, they took Isaiah Simmons at number eight, uh, the positionless wonder and the question mark of the draft. So I think that they're willing to be an organization that takes a risk here. I think cornerbacks a need for them and Farley, despite the question marks, if those question marks aren't there and he's healthy, I mean, Caleb Farley right now, I feel he has the, he has the highest upside in this draft. That's what I, that's my opinion of him. He's got the athleticism, the size, just the skill. If the, if that, this could be a really good cornerback class and it can only uh, be made better if Caleb Farley has a successful career. So I have Cardinals going Farley at 18. Uh, certainly love Farley, and I would love to have had him go to Arizona. Obviously, I had Newsom instead. Uh, here, I actually still have the Miami Dolphins still picking. And I decided to have them, though, I mean, honestly, they could possibly even trade down a few picks and still do this. I had him going Najee Harris. I think it's a little bit safer to stay here since you've got a couple teams like the Jets and the Steelers, who if Najee Harris slips past the Dolphins, they might start uh, thinking about trading up to get him since they're uh, in some running back issues. But for the Dolphins, it's been talked about a lot that they need running back. You went ahead and gave Tua Tungavailo one of his old teammates in Devonta Smith. I'm giving it with Najee Harris. I think he's a great player. Uh, I've kind of thought for a while that he's one of the best, if not the best back um, in this class. And I think that pairing with Tua is going to be great for the both of them. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's something that's been talked about a lot by a lot of mock drafters. And Miami's been really good with uh, solving, uh, finding their running backs. Uh, I think they've uh, been keeping their eyes on Najee. I think Tua, kind of like how you're saying that uh, Joe Burrow might pitch to get Jamar Chase. Uh, I think Tua might pitch to get Najee Harris. Um, and Miami's really good at drafting running backs. So I, I think that this is one of the better guys. I think they're going to see that. And at the end of the day, if they don't draft him, I still trust whatever, whoever Miami's going to draft a running back because that seems to be their specialty. They get some really good running backs late. Yeah, they do. They, ha they have a good way of finding value uh, at the running back position. 
incredible. And I, and I will say with the Dolphins last year, I was one of the ones surprised when at the back half of the last of the first round, they weren't taking a guy like DeAndre Swift uh, or a Jonathan Taylor. And I think that I can see why they try to address that need this year in the first round, as opposed to last year and just get to some help on the ground. Moving on to number 19 overall pick with the Washington football team. I have them taking Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma state. I think it's just very simple, best offensive tackle left on the board. Uh, and then you need offensive line help, especially with the um, loss of Trent Williams. And I think that it's just, uh, it's a good idea. If you're going to run out Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, you want to give him some time. I was thinking wide receiver here, uh, like a Rashad Bateman, but Tevin Jenkins, I think is just the, best player available at this spot in the draft. And I think that it would help Washington moving forward. Uh, I, I could agree. Uh, I do think that they need a left tackle. I think it's something that Washington are even going to look towards. Uh, however, I don't think it's something that is as pressing as like, you know, they need it like, it, like as pressing as it may seem, particularly with the addition of Eric flowers, who's just a year removed from having like his best season in Washington now coming back to the team. Uh, being traded with uh, Miami for like a seventh round pick swap. Uh, here, I think that uh, Ron Rivera finds uh, his replacement for the uh, like uh, finds a really good interior linebacker with a little bit of a JOK. Um, they don't they don't have like the best interior linebackers. It's okay. Uh, I think, if anything, this is possibly their biggest hole on defense. I mean, it's either this or, like, maybe getting another really solid corner. And I think JOK just makes their front seven that much better. It's already a really solid front seven, don't get me wrong. Um, but this would just make it even better, uh, arguably even one of, if not the best in the league. I really like the young talent that they would have in it, including Chase Young and Montez Sweat and their uh, young D linemen. So I, I just like the addition of JOK here to this team with his uh, uh, being available for them. Yeah, you're right. And this, um, this addition would really make that a even more formidable front seven. Obviously, we talk about the defensive line, but off ball linebacker play, it's known that you get that with good defensive line play and especially with the tackle play. And they have that in Jonathan Allen and De'Aaron Payne. So JOK's presence there, he, he'd be able to do what he does best and he'd have the freedom uh, to just play. And his talent alone would be a really good addition to Washington there. Next up with number 20, we have the Chicago, the Chicago Bears picking. Uh, I have them taking a local kid, Greg Newsom from Northwestern, uh, staying in Chicago and the Bears get that replacement. Uh, they cut Kyle, Kyle Fuller and they get that additional help in the secondary by adding in a rookie, Greg Newsom. Uh, I'm definitely a guy that would agree with this. Uh, I think corner is a big need, particularly after they cut Kyle Fuller. But I went with probably one of my more interesting picks for Chicago. Uh, this is definitely one of the ones that like catches my eye. I actually decided to go with Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Um, I think that they've been weak in the wide receiver room for a while. It's really been Allen Robinson, and that's it. Like they they haven't really had like a really good number two for him. Tony was incredible for uh, Florida. Uh, he and Pitts were a really good uh, duo. And I think that uh, Tony coming together to pair with Allen Robinson is going to be great. Uh, they have the young tight end that they drafted uh, just a year ago. I think that could be three decent pieces for Andy Dalton to be able to use. And though they should go corner, and I think they will in the second round, maybe even the third round, uh, I think that getting someone like Tony for this value is good for them. 
and their offense looks really weak going into next year. And I think you have to find some sort of explosive factor. That for me is Tony. No, and that is a somewhat surprising pick. I mean, Tony for me, uh, spoiler alert, he's not in my first round, but he's definitely, we're reaching the point where we have a bunch of playoff teams um, and, and all these players will be of some service to them and can fill a need that they have. But any of these players can really go in any order at this point. I feel like we've really gotten out of the, oh, these are the top 20 players. They're going to go yep. in the top 20. Now we've got a bunch of guys that can go anywhere from like, say, 20 to 40. And it would make sense wherever they end up, you know? Exactly. I agree. All right. So now we can move on to number 21 and your Indianapolis Colts. And I have the first edge rusher, the first pure edge rusher in this draft. And I have the physical specimen, Jalen Phillips. Uh, this is a guy that I've seen linked to the Colts multiple times in mock drafts. Uh, I know there's the questions about concussions and his health, but Colts need some edge rush help. And I think that he would be a really good fit. I do have a string of edge rushers going now in the first round and Jalen Phillips is the first one off the board, but I do think that any of the others would suffice. I have that as well. However, with another surprising move, I have that coming later as I'm going to have the Colts trading down. Uh, I don't know if this is quite the right value. It's, it's a fairly big move down, but I had the Colts getting a future second uh, swapping their first uh, and also sending. So actually let me rewind here. So I have the Colts trading to the Packers. The Packers uh, swapped first-round picks with the Colts. They also swap picks next year as the Colts will move up into the second round and the Packers will move down into the third. And then I currently have the Packers pick 92 in the third round, but it could be a fourth uh, as well. And I have the Packers taking Elijah Moore. I think uh, Elijah Moore has been a really uh, like a riser for a lot of teams. I've also heard from uh, some reports that he's kind of like the fourth receiver on most teams boards now. So there's a possibility that the bears would even take him. He's a really good slot receiver and uh, green Bay has really been known for getting like those tall, fast guys like uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison uh, and some of the guys that they currently have on their team. I think they really should go slot. I think the slot receivers are really talented in this draft and I think just trying something new and getting one of these really talented players will be great for the Packers. And recently in the media, they've been saying that, oh, Rogers is our guy for the foreseeable future. So if he is, unlike last year, actually commit to it. And I have them trading up, getting Elijah Moore. It could be Kadarius Tony. I think either of these could be uh, flipped, but I think that the Jets could go receiver here. The Titans could consider it uh, and some of these other teams. So they just want to hop those teams to make sure that they can get a guy that they really like. Yeah, and we'll get into my Packers uh, pick a little bit later, but I do understand your rationale behind it. Moving on to number 22, I have the Tennessee Titans, and I have them taking the second edge off the board, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Quiddy Pay, his production isn't anything too special, but the physical traits are definitely there, and I think the Titans understand that, and they see their pressing need for pass rush. I mean, it's definitely their top, top need, in my opinion. Um Yes, they had some losses and changes in the offseason. I was thinking originally, maybe they get bold and go wide receiver to replace Corey Davis, but I think Quiddy Pay becomes the more pressing issue for Tennessee, and I think they attack the edge here. Um, this is actually the last trade for me in the first round. I have the Titans trading down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who will go ahead and trade a future third and their current third pick, 95, to the Titans, uh, as well as the first-round pick swap. And I have the Buccaneers taking Jason away. Um, I think away is really good. I think he's got a really good build. 
possibly the best build of all the edge rushers. Uh, but most of the concerns for people is like his lack of experience for edge. And it's just a, a thing kind of like with Trey Lance. I don't, they don't feel comfortable. Like, you know, as he should be a starter for them week one, day one, etc. So I think for the Buccaneers, first of all, they have a little bit of cap issues. So they might be looking to trade some picks anyways uh, to cut down like the cap that has to be spent on those picks uh, even including like they signed AB recently. Uh, I think it was like just today on a three mil contract. So they're getting tight on that. So they, they're probably going to look to, they might look to trade up anyways, just to clear some of that. And I think they're going to really like Jason away. He can sit a year behind a year or two behind uh, Jason Pierre Paul uh, get to learn. And I think he'll be a great partner with Shaquille Barrett for years to come. And there's some other guys that they could fit in here, including like Jalen Phillips or, uh, Aziz Ojolari, but I think Jason Away just looks like he could be incredible, and I think JPP will be an excellent mentor. No, and I really like especially the destination for him um, because I, I see he's the first true edge off your board. Yep. Jason Away is up there with Jalen Phillips as probably the top two guys in terms of just physical attributes, in terms of edge rushers in this draft class, and I mean, he doesn't have the injury questions that Jalen Phillips has. So putting him in a room with all that veteran experience on the D line, that championship experience and a really good coaching staff, Jason away could be a monster in Tampa Bay. And again, with the first round picks, a lot of them, a lot of them are coin flips and it all depends on where you go. If you go to the right situation and the Buccaneers are proven to have more organizational success, at least right now, than a lot of other teams in the league and Jason away going there could, really terrorize the NFC South for years to come. Moving on to pick number 23, the New York Jets second selection in the first round. Uh, I have them going edge rusher as well, even though they have a lot of pressing needs, uh, but they take Aziz Oljulari, my third straight edge rusher out of Georgia. Um, like I said, the Jets need a lot of things and edge rusher is one of them. And Oljulari is, I mean, he's really good. His production level is up there probably at the top of this class. And I mean, he's got good enough physical tools. I really think that a pick like this could be a good fit for him. And I have the exact same uh, pick here. Uh, they've already added a really good edge rusher this off season. Um, I think they just got to go and find a good pairing for him. And I think Aziz Ojolari can certainly be that guy. And I think this could really be a solid guy. Um, someone that he can help build his defense off of for years to come. Quinton Williams needs help getting towards that quarterback. I think Aziz Ojulari can certainly help with that. Yeah, I think that'd be a welcome addition uh, for new head coach Robert Sala. Moving on to number 24 in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have him taking Najee Harris. And again, this is not a draft of what I think should happen because again, I don't think that drafting running backs in the first round is necessarily a great idea unless you're like, right there the Dolphins in my opinion your pick of Najee Harris makes more sense than the Steelers but the link between the Steelers and Najee Harris has been very vocal the past few weeks uh so with him still on the board and the Steelers here at 24 I couldn't think of anyone else that they would end up taking in this spot even though I think they have a lot of other pressing needs yeah I could agree and I could even see the Steelers moving up possibly to take Najee Harris um However, I actually have them going Tevin Jenkins. They've lost some O-linemen this offseason, including Alejandro Villanueva, who is now a Ra- uh, I think is now Raven, or at the very least, there's been lots of talks that he's going to the direct rivals. Um, I think that they just need to uh, start fixing up their line. Uh, 
kind of like your uh, cornerstone mentions with a lot of the linemen. I think Tevin Jenkins really can be that for uh, Pittsburgh. I like a lot of the linemen in this draft. Um, but specifically, Big Ben only has like a year or two probably left in his career. And you really got to start building for your offense going into the future because now you're missing a running back. You're probably soon to be missing a quarterback. Juju Smith's on a one-year contract. Uh, I'm pretty sure your tight end position is getting pretty old. You got to start, I mean, overall, your team's getting old. You got to start getting uh, those uh, foundation pieces for the future. I think Tevin Jenkins certainly can be that. Yes, and I honestly, I think I like your pick for the Steelers more than mine, uh, only because of the situation. Like, if Najee Harris is gone, I think that's the move that they would make. Um, And and I really like that. I, I like Tevin Jenkins a lot, and I think that he would really fit well in Pittsburgh. Uh, and like you said, be that cornerstone offensive lineman. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock with the 25th pick. Uh, I have them going offensive line, helping to protect Trevor Lawrence. I have them going Alex Leatherwood. There's a couple other offensive linemen uh, in this draft, but I think the rest might uh, be up for debate as second round picks. Um, But I think Alex Leatherwood here, he can play inside or out. Um, And I just think that he would be a really nice pick here for Jacksonville. They do have other needs. Uh, you could talk me into taking a safety like a Javon Merrig here. Um, but I think right now or in right here, I think Alex Leatherwood would be a smart pick for Jacksonville. Well, I would rather talk you into uh, taking a different player here for uh, Jacksonville. And that player that I actually have him going is Christian Barmore. Um, I think since they've already looked offense with Trevor Lawrence, uh, their offense is also really good with actually a pretty decent offensive line. Uh, you have the young Jawan Taylor. They re-signed Cam Robinson this offseason, uh, like Norwell and Linder. And then Can is also a good piece rounded out. They don't desperately need line to me. Um, so I decided to go defense. If you look at their defensive tackles, it's Taven Bryan and Roy Roberts and Harris. It's not, you know, anything glamorous. Uh, they also do have, uh, I think, Malcolm Brown, uh, the former Patriot, as well as Adam Gotsis. Um but I think they really need to get that guy just a few years ago. They were the team that had Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson and just an incredible defense. And I think that you really got to start building towards a solid defense again, because if you can get some really good defensive pieces, uh, Jacksonville could be a very surprising team to move up and move up fast in the rankings. And I think Barmore is by and large, the best uh, defensive tackle candidate in this draft class and I like his fit going to Jacksonville. No, I think you're certainly right. And those Saxonville team, that Saxonville team was very fun. Um, and I would really like a Christian Barmore fit there. Uh, and speaking of Christian Barmore, he's my next pick actually with the Browns at number 26. Uh, the Browns do need some help on the interior defensive line. And I mean, they could go a number of ways, wide receiver potentially uh, add to that room um outside of obj and jarvis landry uh you could look at corner i've seen greg newsom sometimes but i think barmore here is the best defensive player and i think he would fit really well and i think that defensive line with miles garrett christian barmore and jj watt could really uh make some damage i think the browns have a really good shot they're really set up for another good season uh at a playoff chance and who knows maybe even in an afc north title uh, i like barmore uh, to the browns 26. Yeah, I think Clowney, Barmore, and uh, 
Garrett could be fun to. Uh, I'm watch. sorry, I said JJ Watt. Yes, it's Clowney. Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to point that out. I was, I was just trying to give you Clowney there. Um, but yeah, no, trust me, I would have left Watt there. I, he seemed like he was close for a bit, but I think those three could be great. I even debated uh, Levi Onwuzurike from uh, Washington going here, but I decided to go with Jamin Davis. Uh, they do have a decent linebacking core. They have Mac Wilson, Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips, uh, Sion Takitaki. I, I, I like the players there. Uh, however, I just don't think that there's like – I like Walker, the former Colts now. Uh, I like Wilson. But I feel like they should really get that other explosive guy. To me, that's Jamin Davis. He was really solid um, in his time at Kentucky. And I think that uh, that presence in the front seven is going to be great for them. And they can get a DT later. Uh, hopefully, like, you know, Levi Onwuzurike or like a Davian Nixon or something. They, they can get another defensive tackle. Uh, they don't need a reach here. So take a talent that's not only been rising really fast as well, but I think would be incredible in your front seven. And I like that pick. I do. Um, I, I do not have Jamin Davis in my first round. I was honestly wondering what to do with him because he is, like you said, a very fast riser. Uh, and there are some other fast risers that I have in my draft, uh, like a Greg Newsom. I think that his rise is a little bit more recent. And again, with the linebacker, I just don't know what the value is going to be placed on uh, in the first round. But with a Christian Barmore, I think, a Christian Barmore over a Jamin Davis in that spot. And I think defensively, I think the value there is just a little bit greater uh, for Cleveland. And moving on to another AFC North team with the 27th pick of the Baltimore Ravens. I haven't taken Rashad Bateman. And I think this is a very, very easy card turn in for them. Uh, I think this is a target at the top of their board. Honestly, he's my wide receiver four, but he's, I, I think he's in that, grade where you can maybe even put him above a Devontae Smith uh, and put him in that class with Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase. I think he's got a really good upside. I think he has all the good physical tools. And I think this could be a steal of a pick for Baltimore, a team that needs help in the receiving uh, department. I mean, Hollywood Brown's good, but I don't think he's a true number one. And that's what they have to play him as just because of the other pieces on their roster. Mark Andrews is a really good tight end, definitely in the top percentage of tight ends in the NFL, but another top tier receiving weapon for Lamar Jackson is definitely what the Ravens need. And I think Rashad Bateman fits it beautifully there. Uh, I totally agree. I want Rashad Bateman as well. I, I debated Terrace Marshall, but at the end of the day, I think Terrace Marshall just adding more hype could be like a red zone type of guy. Um, like just overall. And they don't really need like that. I think they just need to find the best talent of the two. Uh, they have, they have red zone threats with Lamar Jackson, uh, good running game, uh, Mark Andrews. So I think you just find the best talent uh, that's on the board. And this is surprisingly my sixth receiver off the board. Uh, also my last receiver off the board in the first round, but I love the talent that Rashad Bateman brings. And that's why I went with him. Yeah. And like you said, with the Terrace Marshall thing, Rashad Bateman does have the height too. He can be an outside guy and he definitely is going to yeah. be one in the NFL. Um, and his route running ability, I think in this is, Honestly, it might, it might be the best in this class. His route running is really, really good. I've seen a lot of comps to a Stefan Diggs, uh, and I really like that for him. And I think or Stefan Diggs on the Ravens um, with just the upside that Bateman has, I think it could be really good and really help Lamar grow as a passer because that's been the knock on him in his entire career. Totally agree. All right, moving on to number 28 in the New Orleans Saints. How about this? We actually have the same pick for two times in a row. I think this is the first time this has happened since the top three of the draft. 
Yep. Um, and we both go Zevin Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Collins is a very big player, and he's very similar to Micah Parsons in the sense that he is described as an off-ball guy, but he's really, really good when he's rushing the passer, but he also has some good moments where he can get out in space, uh, does a little bit of coverage, really just filled the stat sheet for Tulsa this past season. And I really like this pick for New Orleans and helping that defense. I think I saw he had like four picks with two of them being a return for touchdowns as well, which is incredible. Yes. He had some crazy thing like that. But yeah, I definitely agree with Saban Collins. Uh, I think they really need to add that special linebacker to pair with uh, Demario Davis. Uh, their defense has lost a good bit this offseason. Overall, their team has lost a good bit this offseason. And I think Saban Collins is just a really special talent. I 100% agree with you. I kind of look at him like Micah Parsons, that they can do just about anything at the linebacking position. And wherever they want to fit Zayvon Collins, I think he will fit masterfully. All right, moving on to the Green Bay Packers at number 29. Uh, I think that the front office and that war room would be very disappointed to see Rashad Bateman go two picks earlier. I think Rashad Bateman to the Packers is something they would love to have. It could be a trade-up possibility. Um, I know you had them trade up for a wide receiver. I can definitely see that happening. Uh, and my immediate reaction at 29 when I was first going through this was, oh, Rondell Moore. I wanted to see Rondell Moore uh, to the Packers. But then I just took a little bit of research. And they, and like you said, they draft, they like to draft taller, speedier guys. And that's just to think that their front office is done. And you went with Elijah Moore. I was going to say Rondell Moore. I, I just don't think that either of those two players uh, fit what this front office likes to do. Even if I think that Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore are probably better than Terrace Marshall, uh, who ends up being my pick here. I think that Marshall's height ends up being the thing for the Packers here. And they just try to give Aaron Rodgers another wide receiver. They ignored it last year when they went with Jordan Love for the future. But I think Terrace Marshall at 29 for Green Bay uh, makes sense when it comes to front office behavior and overall team need. I can see it, but honestly, it hurt my soul a little bit because there's some other really good tall receivers like that they can get day two, day three, kind of like what they tend to do with some of these other guys. So that's that's kind of like what I was going to have them do. Um, I, I do like Terrace Marshall overall as a player, but uh, I, I just personally, I've already said it. I mean, I just like the idea of getting that slot guy and it's something that you agree with. But yeah, I, I, I can see the front office pulling this. It, it's at the very least, it wouldn't be, you know, like, you're not getting – I think he's definitely the best tall and pacey receiver that they would have drafted in recent years, uh, particularly with his draft value. But for me, I have Indianapolis here. I debated them trading down again. Chris Ballard loves to trade down. He particularly loves the second round of uh, drafts. But I actually decided for the Colts to stay here. Um, I do think we've even talked about in the past that I don't even – fully carry if we were to take Jalen Phillips uh, with the health concerns because I like him but there's been a lot of things uh, like there's a lot of talk for what to do at edge and I'm going to go with someone who's a clear-cut 4-3 guy it's not Jalen Phillips I'm actually going to go ahead and go with Quiddy Pay he's someone that's been talked about a lot for Indianapolis even at our pick at pick 22 um, but I have Quiddy Pay here going to Indy I think that they're going to like the attitude that he's going to bring into the locker room I think he fits into the system really well and hopefully they can bring in some sort of other edge uh, when free agency reopens and maybe it's Justin Houston and you can have Houston, Pay, Kamoko Ture. That would be such a solid defensive line for the Colts. And I think Pay can turn into a really good edge rusher as well. 
it's one of the things where um, I'm just not too high on any of the edge rushers. However, I think a lot of them have a good bit of talent. I just don't think any of them are high enough to go around that top 10, top 15, unless the team takes them just kind of out of a need. And then maybe you could see some edges running in the mid twenties. No, and I think I agree with you uh, in terms of what this edge class looks like. There's certainly a lot of talent there. Uh, there's, uh, in my opinion, I don't think there's going to be a pro bowler in this class, maybe like a Jason away or a Jalen Phillips strictly based on their physical uh, attributes. And if they can grow into those, maybe even a quitty pay, cause he does have those athletic abilities as well. Um, but I think that a lot of these guys could be, end up being really strong second uh, defensive ends behind maybe like a true pro bowl caliber guy on the other side of the line. And that could really uh, turn a defensive line into a force uh, for any one of these teams. All right. So moving on to our last three picks of the first round, the Buffalo bills, I have them taking Jason away from Penn state, the bills here. It wasn't necessarily a confusing uh, pick for me, but I, I will say that I, I was wondering what direction to go in with them. Cause I'm looking at some of their top needs. I mean, you could go with corner. Some people are saying that they need a wide receiver, but I think the addition of an Emmanuel Sanders somewhat negates that. Uh, I do like their offensive uh, weapons in general. Some people are saying running back, and I could see maybe uh, ETN going to Buffalo, but I think that they can address that later. And I do still think that they like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Uh, So I go Jason away here. Uh, My top edge on the board, raw physical tools. We've already talked about what I think about him. And I, I think him and Buffalo would be a good fit for that defense. Uh, I certainly agree with all your points. Obviously, I, the running back could be great. Line could be great and whatnot. But Ed Oliver needs help. Ed Oliver was incredible in this rookie year. And they the biggest thing for them against Kansas City was they weren't, even on a depleted KC offensive line, they weren't able to pressure Patrick Mahomes enough. And if they could have, we could have seen, you know, the Bills versus the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. We really could have. But um, that's why I'm going to be going with Edge as well. And I'm going with Jalen Phillips. He's got the tangibles. He's really good at getting after the quarterback. He's an incredible player. He's one of those things where I, I could see this being the steal of the drafts if he's able to stay healthy, because I think him and Ed Oliver would be a monster force to come up against. Um, and I think that they just they have to go Edge, because if they're able to strengthen their defense, specifically they're being able to get after the quarterback, they don't have that issue of not being able to get after like Philip Rivers and Patrick Mahomes and the teams that they came up against in the playoffs when you're coming up against either all-star or best of the best quarterbacks or you're coming up against solid offensive lines. So I just really like the fit of Phillips here uh, in that defense. Yeah, so we go somewhat the same direction. I mean, away is already off your board, but we go to the same um, well for the Bills and just getting a physical uh, defensive end and someone that can help them rush the passer. And like you said, help out, help Ed Oliver on that defensive line. So the Ravens have another pick at 31 after the trade with Kansas city. And I have them taking Samuel Cosme out of Texas, probably the best tackle on the board at this spot. Uh, arguments could maybe be made for Liam Eikenberg or Jalen Mayfield, but I think Cosme is just a step above uh, that class of tackle. Um, and I think it's, I think it's the move that, helps Lamar Jackson stay protected. Uh, I see you went in a different direction, but I think that Cosme can just help shore up that offensive line and 
maybe it's just another step in helping Lamar progress as a passer. They, they certainly could go Cosme and fill the hole at right tackle that Orlando Brown is now left with the trade to Kansas City. Uh, however, I decided to go with Edge because I think that's a little bit of a bigger hole for them. And I decided to go Gregory Russo. Um, over the past couple off seasons, they've lost Zaire Smith. They've lost Matthew Judon. And they're really left with like Tyus Bowser. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember who their other edge is, but they're just really weak at the edge. It's They have a good defense, but that's if you don't look at their edge rush. They really need edge rush. Uh, Gregory Russo was great when he was playing with Miami. Um, I think he really fits at the three-four system that Baltimore likes to run. And I think he will be great with them in that defense uh, going into the future. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying there. And with Gregory Rousseau, he is my next pick, the last pick of the first round going to Tampa Bay. I mean, I'm, I think I'm just going to steal your rationale uh, with your trade with Tampa Bay in the, the first round and taking Jason away. Gregory Rousseau is kind of in that same vein. He's got the physical tools. His production was a little wany in college. I mean, he only had the one full season. But all in all, I think Gregory Rousseau in a veteran defensive line with Tampa Bay staying in Florida, I think that this would be a home run pick to close out the night for Tampa Bay and just continue to build a strong defensive front. Um, and I think that Tom Brady has the weapons he needs. The offensive line is pretty solid. And I mean, you could maybe look secondary here, but I, I think that edge rusher would be a really nice addition, especially a guy like Gregory Rousseau um, for Tampa Bay to close out the night. Uh, it certainly uh, could. I could see Gregory Russo going to uh, Tampa, even as like that could be the guy that they trade up for. Uh, however, my pick here is the Tennessee Titans after they traded down with the Buccaneers. Um, and I decided to go with Kelvin Joseph. Uh, the thing for Tennessee, which is huge this offseason, was they depleted their entire secondary. Like the only player that's left is Kevin Byard. They, their secondary is toast. So if they don't solve their secondary issues now, it doesn't matter if Carson Wentz even struggles next year, he will blow up on Tennessee, period. So they need to do something. They need to do something now. They've already got Janoris Jenkins. He could be a good number two, maybe even your number one. But I, I don't know if he really has that number one potential anymore. He is getting up there in age. So I think Calvin Joseph is someone that can, at the very least, transition into the number one. I think he's a good player. Uh, there's not much like health concerns with him, former LSU guy, which is one of the DB universities, but he did end up in Kentucky and he did really well there as well, you know, staying in the SEC. And yeah, that means Caleb Farley isn't going here, but I think that they need to make sure that they can stay healthy, uh, which is why I'm not having Farley here just because of the very much recent health concerns. No, and I understand that. And it definitely is a possibility that I can see. I mean, Hey, look, if Caleb Farley, and his health concerns somehow fell to 44, I'd be all over that. Now, I understand that the Cowboys already in my mock take a, a corner at 10, but I mean, just the value of Caleb Farley in the second round alone is something that I think teams are willing to jump all over, uh, especially at that early pick. Like, I could see the Jags going uh, Caleb Farley at 33. Like, I, I think that that's a really good value uh, pick for them. So, I, I guess that's a good segue talking about Caleb Farley to talk about some other Virginia Tech players. Uh, most notably, Devon Diablo and Khalil Herbert, who are the other two, aside from Darisaw and Farley, to look to get their names called uh, this weekend. And with Devon Diablo, for him right now, I think he definitely has really good a really good chance at being picked 
in the mid to late third round. I think that his rise is really starting to come on. I mean, his mix of size, uh, production, and flexibility and coverage ability as a strong safety, as a nickel linebacker, some teams would utilize him, or even as a straight-up coverage safety. He had some nice plays on the ball this past season for Tech. I'm, I, I think Divine Diablo as a prospect is really, really good, and he's probably a top, top 10 safety in this class. And I could definitely see him going on day two, late day two. I think Khalil Herbert is more penciled in now as a day three prospect, someone that's going to go in the fifth round uh, just for a team that's looking for running back depth. But I mean, Herbert's got really good tools as well. And uh, I think that any team getting him in the fifth round would be incredible value. I mean, he's got really good running. He's got good up and down explosiveness. He's got some pass blocking ability, not so much, uh, pass catching. I mean, he, he wasn't really asked to do that in his one season at VT, but no, I think that they are both really good prospects for their respective positions. And I think that they, uh, Diablo especially could really explode uh, up draft boards. And I, I think that as of right now, I would put money on him going in the, in the third round. Uh, I, I certainly agree. And with my takes on it, I'm going to talk about the three VT guys that I don't have going here as well, which will include Caleb Farley. Um, Farley, uh, I think we can both agree, if he did not have these injury concerns, uh, he'd probably be my number one, if not my number two corner off the board. Um, I think that's the same with a lot of people. It's literally just the injury stuff recently with him. And uh, for me, I would even add the fact that he opted out last season, so we weren't able to see two years of him as a corner since he has recently transitioned from wide receiver to corner. So I think there's just those couple things that could be fleeting doubts in people's mind, and that's why he falls. Now, to the team that he goes to, um, personally, I I do have a little bit more mocked after this, and I actually currently have him going to the Detroit Lions, but I could also see him in New York. I could see him, uh, honestly, in Atlanta. There's a lot of teams I could see taking him. Um, I just think he does have that value, and he's someone that could become a number one corner in the NFL. for whatever team he ends up on at the very least, I think he'll be a really good pairing with whoever he gets with. And to me, I really want to see Detroit do this because just imagine Jeff Akuda and Caleb Farley together. That'd be incredible. That'd be I mean, so- I'll just say this right now. And I know that this sounds biased, but, and I'm not really trying to hate on Jeff Okuda. I mean, I did not like the pick for Detroit only because a cornerback at three needs to be a world stopper. And Jeff Okuda, at least in his first season, didn't really show many flashes of that. But at least I think that Jeff Okuda can still be a good corner. Caleb Farley, his upside, I think he could be the top cornerback in this draft if the health concerns subside and he translates well. And, I mean, that would be a steal of a pick and having your secondary built for years to come with Farley as a true shutdown number one guy and Jeff Okuda on the other side doing whatever he needs to do. I I just think that that would be – because, I mean, let's think about this. With Jeff Okuda, I know this is turning into a Lions segment, but his best his best play was when he had other quality corners with him, and Detroit doesn't have that. I mean, he was playing with Sean Wade, who was a guy that was a first-round pencil as a slot-type guy, but now when he moved to the outside at Ohio State, he just is cratered and is looking like a day-three prospect. Um, but no, I think Caleb Farley would be a really good fit in Detroit. And again, Caleb Farley in the second round is incredible value if the injuries yeah. uh, don't take over his career. It's just like the Trayvon Diggs thing with the Dallas last year. That was incredible value. And he didn't even uh, – I don't even think Trayvon had injury 
concerns. I could be wrong, but no, um, but he did have a foot thing for the last uh, half of the season, but outside of, but it wasn't from college. It was just, um, yep. he wasn't a really a first round grade guy. And even still, if like, think about this, it was reported that if CD lamb doesn't follow the Dallas 17, Trayvon Diggs was up there in terms of who was, yep. who they were going to pick. So, I mean, this is, it's a very similar situation. You're exactly right. It's a first round guy with first round talent that just falls to the second round, keeps falling and falling and then falls into a team that needs him and it falls right into their lap and it's a perfect fit. Yeah. I love, I mean, when, when I was mocking this in all honesty, I love a lot of the value, like even all the way up to probably like even 48. I love a lot of the players in this draft class. And I love a lot day of two players. of this draft could probably be the best day of the draft in terms of just yep. value, value players. I know you get your franchise guy on day one, but day two, there's a, there's a really, this is a really deep draft class. That's a lot of the reason why I honestly wanted the Colts to do a double trade down. I just didn't, I, I didn't feel bold enough to call for a double trade down in this. And I also didn't want to be uh, what could have even felt a little bit biased. Uh, I, I, I know Ballard trades out of the first round a lot. I just, I, I didn't quite see it. And plus I do. No, and the Colts are, the Colts are one of the best uh, franchises in the league at finding that yep. all pro talent on day two and trading down and finding those guys. I mean, the Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard picks are really, really good picks. And that's a really, really good find. Uh, that's like the dream. That's like a dream draft right there. Oh, absolutely. Um, to get into the other Virginia tech guys as well, uh, divine Diablo. I do agree. I think he's like a late, uh, third round, maybe even middle fourth round type of talent. Uh, it seems like he's rising up, uh, some teams boards. I like his talent as a strong safety. I like his talent, uh, possibly lining up like in the nickel linebacker, as you said, uh, some teams that I put up here, uh, as well. And you can uh, throw your thoughts out as well. I actually have, your, your team, the Cowboys. I have the local team, Washington football team. I also have my Colts because the Colts are really good at finding uh, talented safeties. And I think he's someone that could even slot into the linebacker spot of uh, a, a hole that has been left by Anthony Walker. And I think that he could be great there. Uh, as well as I have the Denver Broncos with Kareem Jackson getting up there in age and the Detroit Lions. Uh, I just honestly see the Detroit Lions, first of all, to get Farley, getting him and Diablo be incredible. But second of all, I, think I might actually good. go to a Detroit Lions game in my life. <laughs> that that would be that would be something. But I mean, like, I I just think that uh, the Lions have struggled with their secondary for a while, and they haven't really grabbed like those types of guys. So if they have Akuda, they somehow get Farley or maybe someone in the second round, and they get Divine Diablo, you're starting to see a revamp secondary in Detroit, and finally some defensive work. Though you though you had a defensive coach and didn't seem to get any defensive work at all. Exactly. And I will say with Diablo, like you said, for the Cowboys, I mean, I'd love it, obviously, because he's a really fun player. And I mean, getting fun players in Dallas would be awesome. I mean, a divine Diablo Dallas Cowboys jersey would be an instant buy. Um, but it, it really works because I've seen the Cowboys connected to guys like Elijah Molden, who compares to a Demonte Casey, which was the free safety that they acquired in the offseason. And mm -hmm. To me, the automatic comp for Divine Diablo is Keanu Neal. That strong safety type plays exactly. a little bit more in the box, good hard hitting, but he can play that linebacker position too, which is what the Cowboys want Neal to do. And if you get a guy like uh, Divine Diablo, he plays right behind Keanu Neal. And if Neal's injury concerns come back up, you just fill it right in with Diablo. I think it's a really good pick. Uh, and again, he's a versatile player. And I think just at that point in the draft, a player like that is just a player that could fit really anywhere and you can make him work wherever you are and whatever scheme you're running. 
you can't see it, but I'm smiling from ear to ear because that's exactly why I had the Cowboys there because I think he's very interchangeable with Keanu Neal. And if Keanu Neal doesn't seem like to be the guy for the future, I think Divine Diablo either sitting behind him or rotating between linebacker and strong safety with him could definitely be that guy. For right. And if you want to play him exactly like exclusively at a more linebacker esque role, I mean, the loss of Sean Lee, that's a yep. good fit. That's a good fit. And that's the thing too. The Cowboys need both safety help and linebacker help getting a guy like, and you can cheat and play safeties at linebacker or vice versa. Divine Diablo is truly a middle ground player. Not most people can do that. It's more of a, you know, you take a year to translate. Divine Diablo can just fit right in at whatever spot you want to put him in. Neil and Diablo could do both, and I would love to see both of them on the same field because I think that that would just be so much fun to watch. Yeah, and it gets Jalen Smith less snaps. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, you're right. That's all. Um, that's always a positive. Yeah, I, I guess for y'all it would be a positive. Um, uh, the last guy, which I – I don't know why. I, I guess maybe it's even bias, but the last guy that we need to talk about, at least on my end, is the uh, Khalil Herbert. And to me personally, it doesn't seem like other people have been seeing this. Maybe it's a size thing, but I just think that he could be amazing at the next level. I think he can be a starter at the next level. Um, I think at the very least, whatever team drafts him is going to be drafting him either to be one of those guys that's getting uh, a good percentage of snaps behind their number one, or I could genuinely see him getting drafted as a starter. I think he is that talented. I I, I don't quite. A team with a weaker running back room could have Herbert emerge in training camp. He could be like a, a drafted version of James Robinson from Jacksonville last year, where he just kind of emerged. Yes. Uh, that's exactly how I see Khalil Herbert. Um, and to me, it's, we saw it this year at Virginia Tech. It, it wasn't as much shown as at Kansas, uh, one, because it's Kansas. And yeah. two, two, because um, they've, they've had some really good talent with like Puka Williams and whatnot. They've actually had a pretty decent running back room for a few years now, uh, which is why Khalil then came to Virginia Tech to compete in our running back room and he won the spot. And if you do recall, up until he got injured and was out for like one game, he was up there in like p- potentially up there for the Heisman. So oh, yeah, he, Le- leading the nation in scrimmage yards. Yeah, no, he was he was incredible all year. So uh, that's why I see so much in uh, Will Herbert. And the teams that I currently have for him are the Cardinals. Uh, they're a team that have uh, Edmonds and James Conner, not you know the most exciting running back core. And I think Herbert could fit in there and make a really good. Uh, three-headed monster, quote-unquote. Uh, I have the Chargers there. Uh, they had some issues with their uh, their guy that they were meant to have as their runner um, after Eckler got injured. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, but it was whoever the backup was who was the power back out of FSU. Uh, he, he was struggling, so I think getting in someone like Khalil Herbert, they're good at finding these later guys, and I think that he could be a good pairing with Austin Eckler. Uh, Eckler's a pass catcher. Herbert is a runner. Uh, it'd be great for Herbert. Uh, look, Justin Herbert. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, they lost James Conner this offseason. They don't really have a good running back room. I could see him easily emerging as the number one there. And I think that he could be good for that team if they aren't able to get Anaji Harris and Etienne, uh, Javante Williams, etc. cetera. Uh, I also have the Bills. The, the running back room struggled last year. Um, and I think that he could be a good guy to challenge at the very least uh, Singletary and uh, I'm forgetting the Wyoming backs name as well, but like uh, Zach Moss out of Utah, but I, not right. even that, not even as like a third string back, 
I think Khalil Herbert and Divine Diablo to some extent, they both also pose special teams value, which I think can yeah. help them in the uh, in in the day three rounds. Like I, I think a Khalil Herbert could be drafted uh, early fourth, mid fourth, strictly even by a team with a good running back room just for special teams help. Yep. Uh, the other team I have on there is the Broncos. They lost Philip Lindsay. Uh, I don't think they have much confidence in Royce Freeman. And Melvin Gordon, uh, obviously, if, if you're able to find someone like Herbert who could do well for you, uh, moving on from a contract wouldn't be the worst. Melvin Gordon wasn't uh, it was okay, okay last year, not to like you know uh, outstanding. Uh, but yeah, I, I I see him honestly at the exact same value as I see Herbert. Uh, but I actually have it a little bit farther. I think he could actually be top of the third round, um, just because of the running backs available I, I i think it just depends on how teams rate their running backs but i kind of have him on my board as my fourth running back behind uh etienne williams and Najee harris i think he's that good i think he could be talented so yeah that's kind of my feeling on him yeah and i like what you said about that and at the end of the day i like the pairings that you put with him uh for teams but at the end of the day of course it all comes down to what teams want i mean dalton Keene gets picked in the third round uh a season ago and that was a surprise to, I think, a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people had him as a more of a fifth, sixth round guy as a tight end. But Dalton King was picked in the third by the Patriots. And it was very shocking to me. But it just goes to show that teams view these players in their own different way. And there's 32 of them. So one of them might take what some view as a reach around early or something like that. And some other player is going to fall. So we want to thank you. Yep. So we want to thank you for listening to this special edition uh, mock draft of the 3304 sports podcast we're going to try to get this out to you tonight and i hope you enjoy your draft weekend hope your team does well we'll just say that and we know that a lot of people will be mad but just take it easy the nfl offseason is upon us it's almost over and the next season is almost here for Colby Bergstrom, i'm dan steinbach i want to thank you all for listening and have a great night and take care